What do a dentist and a gynecologist have in common? Beyond Our Lips, a podcast where best friends and practicing doctor moms use their gift of gab and professional passions to entertain, educate, and inspire. This is Dr. Jenny. And this is Dr. Laura. And this is Beyond Our Lips. Any fun things happen at your house this week? You know... Things have been a little bit crazy. We've been really, really busy at work and really busy at home, it seems like, in a good way, but in that kind of way where you don't really even know your head from your tail until the end of the day at like 8 o'clock at night. I do understand this. <laughs> it's like, how fast can I take a shower and get in my bed? Yes, yes. Real fast. And then like the only time you don't have like 10 things in your head all at once is when you're in the shower. So then you get all the good ideas. Well, last night the shower was with Knight, uh, which is my almost two-year-old. Yeah, we were hanging out in the shower. He was playing with his basketball. We sat down together. We threw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get that time in when you can. Oh, my god! You know, sometimes you've got to be multitasking. You've got to be able to get clean and hang out with each other at no, the well, same time. No, motherhood means no privacy in general. So you're going to the bathroom with an audience. You're taking showers with an audience. True. They yeah. always find you when you're needing to go to the bathroom and then it's like they have an emergency right then and then mine like to come over there to the bathroom and then say I'm like I'm in the bathroom and they'll go like oh that's okay I'll wait yeah (laughs) (laughs) for how long will you wait here (laughs) and I'm like that's really not an option waiting like the point of me saying that I'm in the bathroom is Mm -hmm. that you need not be here right now but try to tell a kid that they don't get it no no and they always have to go to the bathroom as soon as I want them to do something important like we have got to leave right now and then it's like oh I gotta do number two and you're like what (laughs) oh I need to go five minutes ago (laughs) didn't you have to go number two ten minutes ago right didn't you have to go an hour ago no right this second um our other fun facts were (laughs) our dryer stopped working but I dare say that it might have worked okay before Mitch tried to fix it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I was in a different room and I hear him just make this like, ah! like, like squeak sound and there was popping and I was like, what did you just do? Are you alive? And he was, but the dryer was then really dead. If it was partially dead before, he goes, yeah, that's not going to work anymore today. And I was like, So some spark, something that, you know, the not handy husband tried to take care of, uh, (laughs) broke the dryer. So we sent wet laundry home with Grandma, Bibi. So when you texted me and said you were in laundry purgatory. Oh, no, I was only in there for about three loads until the dryer was broken beyond repair. Then you went straight down south then wet laundry went in a basket to bb's house and i have yet to see it and i um obtained a few extra pair of scrubs from the hospital because i could no longer wash or dry my clothes because they gotta be dry and it's too cold for us to go outside and hang them over a clothesline right not that i have a clothesline but i could make one but then it would take a long time for that to work out in this winter um yeah, that was fun this week. So did you replace the dryer yet? No. Um, some dryer person <laughs> came over, thank you, and uh, replaced the spark plug and said if it doesn't dry very fast now, then it's certainly a backup from your pipes. 
Oh, the old lint cleaning situation. The and then, then Mitch described to me how he checked the pipes and stuck his hand <laughs> in this tubing as far as he could go until he hit resistance and miraculously mm. pulled out the resistance mm. until he could feel his fingers touching the outside <laughs> of our home. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like what you do yeah, on a daily basis, actually. Oh, my goodness. Don't you just stick your hand in there until you meet until resistance? I meet resistance. It also reminds me of Star Wars because the boys watch that a lot. So every time we say resistance, I think of the resistance. The resistance. I know that's where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that was a big thing in our life. Well, that's good. It got You got to repair it, and you didn't have to replace it. I'm saying all this. I haven't used the dryer yet. Oh, We'll see. <laughs> Next episode, we'll let you know about Winston's dryer. The dryer saga continues. Yeah. Thankfully, washer and dryer are working fine around here. We are actually, uh, dishwasher works fine. We're actually trying to teach Zaid how to load the dishwasher a little bit nice. as part of our teach the kid how to yeah. be alive without parents tending to his every need mm-hmm. all the time. And... You know, we start with really good intentions, and then you tell him to put the plate in the dishwasher, and he lays it flat oh, against nice. the um, yeah. the rack. Mm-hmm. And then you think, really, how have you been on this earth for nine years, mm-hmm. and you yeah. think that a dishwasher a dish needs to go into the dishwasher flat mm-hmm. on top of the rack, which I find it comical. My husband has a little bit less um, patience with the situation, wow. but it's all Operation Teach Zaid how to be. A human, you know, yeah. pouring his own cereal is part of this plan, yeah. mm-hmm. which, you know, I thought, okay, we've been doing this for a long time. I mean, how hard can it be? Well, of course, he pours it and half of it goes on the table and half of it goes in the bowl and he just continues to pour it like, well, yeah, just missing, <laughs> just, missing a few hundred yeah, pieces. Exactly. No but it's still filling up, you know, it's filling yeah. up a little less fast than it would, but whatever. It's just a minor detail. Yeah. So it's going to be a, a long road of teaching Zaid how to be um, a self-sustaining human being. But Well, I think you and I are listening to probably so many podcasts talking about how we hover over our children and mm-hmm. we coddle them and we don't give them any real life obligations and they're not going to have any tools in the toolbox in order to take care of themselves and certainly they're going to be anxiety and depression filled and it's all going to be our fault right so now we're trying to kick them out of the nest that's exactly so that right. they can have some more responsibility we and I say we loosely because I wasn't around um <laughs> Mitch um sent Dean in to get milk the other day <gasps> at the grocery store oh. stayed in the car gave him an appropriate amount of the monies and said, go. Do you know which one to get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he lets him go in. Oh, my goodness. And, come out. and he managed pretty well. I love this. Yeah. Um, except for he didn't get the change. But <laughs> Mitch said I only sent him with like a dollar more than he needed. So he just skipped the change on that one and ran out, probably in a state of triumph that he made it through. Yes. And I, was, oh. I asked him if he was nervous. And he said, no. I bet he was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So Mitch and I actually had a conversation about this last weekend oh. when we were all hanging out, and we because he talked about the cereal, you know, struggle, which yeah. is real. And I actually mentioned that when I was a kid, around Zade's age, my mom frequently yeah. would let me go 
into the grocery store and buy a few items and come out and how we didn't know how other adults would respond if they saw a kid in the grocery store picking out food and checking out. Um, I think you have to be aware of your surroundings. We went to the local grocery store. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a big shopping center. Um, And good visualizations of the doors. I mean, I just feel like you got to do it. I love it. I'm From what I'm we inspired. hear, the world is safer than we ever thought it could be. Yes. And um, we got to be able to let them have their little adventures and troubleshoot on their own. Like, if you don't have enough money, what is going to happen? Yes, yeah. I love that. You know, similarly, yesterday we were at Whole Foods eating dinner, and I had my hands full. So I handed Zade my wallet, and I said, okay, you pay. You get the money out. You yeah. pay. You get the, you know. It was the same kind of deal. He was really excited to get the money out, and he was like, you know, I think I had a few 20s in there. So he's like, wow, Mommy, you have a lot of money. Woohoo! <laughs> it's like Monopoly money Party. to him. I know. And so, but he gave the cashier the money and, and got the change back and all of that. And so that's kind of funny. We're kind of doing the exact same preparation for our nine-year-old boys. Yeah. I think it's time. Yeah. You got to start slow, though. You gotta By the start time slow. Rhett's like six, he'll be doing all the same. He's not going to get the same reprieve as the other two. Yes. Which is good, I that think. Is good. Let, let the older one set the example. Yeah. Um, so I brought to the table, since we're going to phase into some GYN fun stuff, some gynecology, some obstetrics. How do you even say my words? I mean, Obstetrical. that's your area. Wow. You should know. If anyone should know, you should know. But it is tricky out. because, you you know, once you're past the stage of seeing the OBGYN for OB, do you just mm-hmm. all of a sudden say, I'm going to see the gynecologist? Yeah, I think that's what happens. Okay. Because yeah, I think people say I'm going to see the gynecologist when they're going to see their the OB obstetrician. Goodness, I'm having a rough time with myself. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know what? I don't know if you remember the movie Knocked Up. Oh, I love the movie Knocked Up. I was talking about that today. How funny! Yeah, yeah, it. one of the best. But he calls the gynecologist the gynecologist yeah. the whole time, and I and it drives me nuts because I'm like. Yes, he is her gynecologist, but right now he's more of her obstetrician. Yeah, but nobody calls us that. Or they I might say my so. OB, OB, but they're not going to say, I'm going to see the obstetrician. That's, yeah. That's a little tedious. Um, I was talking about, about that movie today with a patient because we were talking about intimate issues mm-hmm. and what defines problematic and what doesn't, which we'll save for a later episode. But I then I got sidetracked by thinking of Knocked Up when – the sister, who I think is the funniest mm-hmm. character of that entire movie, the husband approaches her and says, do you want to, you know, you know? And she's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was talking about how <laughs> that is the funniest thing in the world to me. Like, nothing can be more disappointing as a clear invitation for fun time. And then followed by a love <laughs> And then you're like, if you want to. And um, if you want to. It's really funny when you're in your 20s. Yes. But then when you're in your, like, 30s, mid to, like, 30s, then it's, like, even funnier because you have wanted to think that. And we'll, I won't go into detail, but I remember she was having, I guess, some, like, maybe she said she was, she like, She said she was constipated. Yeah, totally get that. I mean, totally get that. But was she or was it just an out? I'm not really You'll sure. never really know. Will we? Will anyone ever really know? My favorite part of that movie is when um, she blames, you know, they blame her attitude problems on her hormones. And so mm-hmm. he takes it out 
out on her hormones. Like, well, hormones, you know. But I get that, too, because that's real. The hormone thing is totally real. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can feel it. And I I usually don't know it until I'm out of it, but you can definitely feel it. yeah. You're in the thick of it. And if, you know, for some people it's not as bad, and for some people you're suppressing with Mm -hmm. medications, which is, you know, great if you need to. Um, But, yeah, I'm that way, too. Like, yeah. three days later, I'm like, oh, that's what that was. That was exactly. Ooh, it's like, man. Uh-huh. And then I feel like I need to apologize. To everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but then you don't, because then you don't want to give them that credit to think, like, yeah, that she's going to be yeah. a little off. Like, in a blue moon. Yeah. Because it's all right, man. Oh, it is. To feel how we feel whenever we feel it. And there's nothing wrong with it, and there's no shame in it. You just, so oh. you're right. I mean, Hormones. Hormones. <laughs> so, let me tell you, hormone. Well, yeah. anyway, I won't use the language that he used, but it is quite a funny scene as well. I made that movie so many good places. <laughs> we'll probably come back to that at another time as oh, well. sure. <laughs> uh, yes, but what's been on my uh, mind are um, birth plans. Oh, very good topic. You know, w- you know, that birth plan is sort of the... The way of having a baby for a type A mom. I think so. Did you have a birth plan? Not really. Mm-mm. Albeit, I am type A, but I yeah. feel like is is birth plan. Do you, is that more of a new, you know, thing? I didn't have a birth plan either, but I am in this field, so I kind of knew what the plan was. Um, True. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting because I think birth plans might have always been around, but then kind of felt suppressed, and then I feel like it was sort of this women's revolution, probably like. I don't know, seven to ten years ago, where people were really like, wait a minute, we kind of want to know what's going on with our bodies and what you're up to, and we want to be informed. And so kind of the first step of trying to remain informed or advocate for yourself was to, like, get an organized plan of what's important to you. And I think initially in the medical world that was hit with resistance – and maybe some because the demographic of OBGYNs have changed. It used to be a lot of more mature men doing the job. And now majority of people training to become an OBGYN, at least a primary OBGYN with um, gynecologic and obstetric training, is more women. So I think it's kind of a culture shift in that way. But I feel like originally it was just hit with resistance. Doctors were very familiar with doing things the, the way that they wanted to do it and we really didn't need to have a conversation about it. And then women were like, pause. It's my body and it's my baby and I want to have a conversation, which I think is fair. But now I get hit with a lot of people who come in and just ask, do I need a birth plan? I get that more than I get, here's my birth plan, doctor, and I want mm. to tell you how it's going to be. I don't feel like it's that way. And I feel like if you pick a doctor and you feel like you're in that adversarial relationship with your doctor, that's mm-hmm. already a problem. Yes. You don't have to have an organized birth plan because if you're delivering at a hospital or in a birthing center, they're going to have steps in place to do this thing, to, you know, to have your baby and have your baby safely. They're going to have kind of a default way that things are done. Um, On the flip side, if you think you in any way don't want things done the way they most standardly are, then it's really great to bring to your doctor ideas that are in your mind so that we can say sure that's just different style points for having your baby or I have a little reservation with this 
because of safety concerns and let's dredge through that and see where we can find a happy medium. Um, I guess your worst case scenario is your doctor doesn't have a happy medium or feels that that's, you know, violating um, a safety concern, in which case you both have choices. You know, you enter into your doctor-patient relationship willingly and and, Mm -hmm. um, you can navigate through it the way you see fit on both sides. But I welcome birth plans. I think it's fun to talk about the way that we want things to be done. Um, I think there's many good ways to have a baby. And a lot of these things are really a coin flip on if that's just the way you want to have it, that's the way you want to do it. So when is a good time to bring that up? Is that a day one kind of thing? Or is that like, okay, we're getting close to birth. Let's start talking about it now. I think if you have something that is really not mainstream or unusual, or if you even know that there's something unusual on your agenda, then you need to bring it up early. Something that's in my mind is maybe people who want, you know, let's say a water birth. There are hospitals that will not have tubs for you to participate in a water birth with. There are different literatures supporting or not supporting water birth. And so there may be different availabilities for that resource for you if that's something that's on your mind. Some hospitals have them, some hospitals don't. Some hospitals advocate being in the water to ease labor but not underwater births. Some hospitals or birthing centers, you know, will advocate on the other side of things. So something like that you need to bring up really early. Something like, I'm not sure if I want to have IV fluids running. Little just style preferences mm-hmm. you can bring up as late as your third trimester so that you can have a conversation and adjust and make sure that that's compatible with you. A very common birth plan that I get is um, I would like some drugs in and the baby out. And I'm like, oh, good. Okay, we can handle that. Mm-hmm. And then some sort of interesting style points that I get are, again, IV fluids seems to be one that I'm revisiting now. People hmm. wanting IV fluids or not wanting IV fluids. And definitely from a doctor's perspective, there are pluses and minuses of both. But the safety concern is always my biggest issue in that I just need you to have access of some sort. In case we have a crisis situation, mm-hmm. I don't want to spend time putting in an IV. Let's just have something available. But that's my preference. And it's not an absolute. Guidelines are guidelines. They're not mandates. And I say that a lot. So let's figure out the style that's best for us. And let's see where I need to make notes and make sure everybody's on our page and what things are just standard. How do you navigate who's in charge of this situation because yes we do have a say so to some extent but ultimately you know it needs to be deferred to the medical professional and I I even get this sometimes in my world where I want patients to feel involved in their care and to have an opinion about what about how they want things to go but there's there's a line there that doesn't need to be crossed I feel like this is very much so dips into the ethical realm of the medical care I think the most important part is finding the right fit and advocating for safety. And if a mom or um, parents tell me that their, you know, biggest thing is they want a happy, healthy baby and they want, then I feel like we're all on the same page. That's because that's what I want for you. But ethically, they're in control. She's in control of her own body. You know, worst case scenarios, and this is, you know, a compelling thought, but Even if I think something's dangerous for that baby in there and I can say as such and I say, hey, you know, we need to get this baby out as fast as possible. We need to do a C-section. If that mom says no, she's in control. I cannot touch your body without your consent. So 
ultimately they're in control and you hope that you just have a great relationship to where, you know, they're deferring to you for the medical advice and you're respecting their instincts as um, pregnant women and as patients and that you guys just work together. I think that that makes a whole lot of sense. I actually didn't realize that women were that empowered in the situation. Oh, yeah. I really thought, you know, I don't know if you see it portrayed in movies or shows or whatever, that it's like such a dramatic thing. They'll be upset or, or there'll be this tension or whatever. So that sounds like a much more, you know, peaceful and cohesive way to just make sure that everybody's on the same page. I mean, you probably don't get it very often that they go against your medical advice recommendation. very seldomly. There are people who will do things that potentially I don't think are the safest route to do so, but I think ultimately you just got to be able to talk to each other and you got to be able to be respectful. I had a mom recently who wanted to kind of go against some guidelines and do some things that maybe were not mainstream or not my uh, preference. And I initially hit her with some hostility. I, I got to be honest, you know, my comeback was immediately a retort like, mm. well, why would you do this? You know, babies suffer from this. What, what, you know, why? And I could tell it kind of off put our relationship in that mm -hmm. moment. And she came back a week later with support person that I knew was just ready and geared up. But in that week, I kind of took myself back a minute. I researched her position on this a minute. I challenged myself to objectify risk versus benefits in this situation. And then, you know, as soon as she hit the ground, I said, listen, sorry I hit you with some hostility there and I've really thought about this and I think I just don't really understand where you're coming from but ultimately this is your decision on things you just may have to sign a whole bunch of waivers to have <laughs> things done this way because there are hospital policies and there are against medical advice forms mm -hmm. um, and ways people want to advocate for them and she was a very well educated bright well thought person who had lots of reasons for refusing standard care that made sense to me, although they're not mainstream choices, those were her choices. But you got to be able to communicate. I cannot, it's like a good partnership, marriage, whatever. If you're mm -hmm. not a good communicator and you don't understand each other, you've got to really be able to fully trust the person who you're putting your family's life in charge of. Mm -hmm. I think that's so interesting. And I think that that speaks a little bit, in my opinion, it speaks a little bit to the power of, um, you know, that doctor-patient relationship and where I think sometimes women can be, or I mean, maybe I shouldn't generalize women, but I'll, I'll just be particular to you, that you heard her out, that you were able to change your position. And I feel like whether it was, you know, old-fashioned or, you know, years ago or maybe a gender thing, I don't know, but there are less enlightened people who are not willing to do that. And I have come up against that before. I have actually had experiences with doctors where I've asked a question or maybe I wasn't sure, you know, if it was something about breastfeeding or something like that. And I got this very rigid, very strict, very textbook response where I felt like my thoughts and my research and my knowledge were disregarded completely by this person. And so I think it speaks a lot to the care that you provide that you're able to do that and you're able to take in these different viewpoints because you're in such a delicate field in that you're not just taking care of someone and, and, and his or her body parts. You're not just prescribing medication. There's this child involved and there's nothing people are more sensitive and more opinionated and more passionate and emotional about than their children so that's a very delicate relationship and it's also a very important one and I think it says a lot that you were able to 
step back from that situation. It was hard. It was hard to navigate my own bias in the situation. Absolutely. Definitely very biased on that choice. But, you know, ultimately I ended up respecting the other side of the fence mm-hmm. and all things worked out well. I also think it's fun in birth plans when people bring them in just because someone told them to have one, <laughs> which is which is fun. And so they'll we tell like to me follow things. rules, you know, right? And we <laughs> we do we do filter through a lot of Pinterest and a lot mm-hmm. of Google and a lot of Facebooks, and then there'll be one story about something. But I had a patient recently who came in and she goes, you know, during the birth, I want you to not do this, and it was whatever it was. And I was like, well, okay, why? And she was like, I don't know. I just read it online. It just, <laughs> just seemed like the right thing to like, do. Okay. And then sometimes I get people who, you know, they want to deliver in a position that's not the most standard position to deliver in, mm-hmm. which for those of you who've had babies, you know, it's up in the stirrups, having the fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's not the most comfortable position for everybody. And they wanted to be in a different position. And I said, you know, I am totally cool to try this out. And um, it's not uncommon or unusual, but. If things don't go perfectly smoothly, that is not an orientation where I feel most comfortable. So we may be doing some flipping and switching around right at the end in order for us to navigate this safely. And there, you know, usually it's comical at that point in time. I'm like, the doctor's going to be disoriented. So we're going to have to switch things around. I'm trying to imagine how that would go if it's like a squatting situation or something. There's really nowhere in that room that you would be able to be. You can find ways. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. A good nurse. We can get into some fun, interesting positions. Whatever's comfortable. Yeah. Obviously, if you have an epidural, ladies, you're not going to be in any interesting positions because you have no motion <laughs> from the waist down. That's a little bit more difficult. But. So, basically, it's a good idea to do some research on birth plans. Just know what you need to know or know yeah. what you might need to anticipate. Exactly. And know then, yourself. Mm-hmm. Know if you want to have anything advocated that's not completely gold standard and bring it to your doctor's attention if there is something you want to discuss and if there's not if you are the I'm gonna go with the flow and you do what you do kind of person that's okay too just don't be stressed about it and have a good relationship with your doctor so you don't have to have one nah. but if you want to have one you can yeah that's awesome I love that that's- I know. this was a big roundabout to say your gynecologist shouldn't really care if you have a birth plan or not. Yes. You should just be able to talk about it. Absolutely. Like you said, communication, I think, is, is the most important thing. Thank you for listening to Beyond Our Lips. We hope you have been entertained, educated, and inspired.